He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Yeah, hospitality to me is not the same what it was two years ago. Hospitality now uh, has really blurred between hospitality and traditional residences. I think the future of hospitality is less clear. It's always going to be localized and providing the best experience for somebody staying in a property. But I think it no longer is going to be just a few days. It could be weeks and months instead. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. In hotels and vacation rentals, the top complaints or issues are noise, garbage, and parking. I may not be able to solve all of your parking and garbage problems, but I could definitely help with your noise problems. And that actually might just help your garbage and parking problems too. So NoiseAware is the only 100% privacy-safe noise monitoring solution that property managers and owners can use in order to ensure they avoid parties and other issues happening at their property. You won't get notified when a plate breaks, but if you have a little quiet get-together that kind of gets out of hand like this, then NoiseAware will give you the peace of mind to ensure that you and your property, and of course, your profits, are protected. So use my code SLICKTALK20 to get 20% off of all noise monitoring devices and focus on the other important things that help you run your business. Now thank you for checking out SLICKTALK, the hospitality podcast. Get back to the episode, and don't forget to check out NoiseAware while you're listening. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, and I'm your host, Will Slickers, as always, and whenever you're listening to Slick Talk, it's always a special episode because we have an amazing guest every time, every week, so thank you again for tuning in, and today I have the founder and CEO of Rabu. So Amir, my friend, I'm so excited to have you on the show talking about tech and the future of hospitality and, and short-term rentals, but uh, more just getting into your story, I think you have a really incredible founder story and entrepreneur journey, so uh, thanks for being on Slick Talk. Well, um, it's it's a pleasure to be on here. Honestly, I, I'm shocked that you our paths haven't crossed prior to this, but now that they have, I couldn't be happier. It's been it's been great to get get to know you uh, and what you've built, and yeah, excited excited about chatting for a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, it's funny how our paths actually initially crossed by being the top twenty most influential people in short term rental tech, according to Rentals United. So that was yeah. kind of a, a fun introduction. That, that was cool. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly that means, uh, but it was, it was a cool, cool honor. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was funny after we got connected uh, by, by somebody different. Uh, I saw your name. I was like, why is that name so familiar? So I'm not going to lie. I Googled you. Yeah. And then I saw you on that list and I saw my name a little bit below yours. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Nice to meet you. So yeah, that, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad we, we had that kind of experience to share. Um, and uh, again, glad to like build a deeper relationship as a result. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's funny how big slash small this industry is. It's like we're all spread out across the world, but it's such just a tight knit community, and we all kind of mingle in some way or form in some circle. It's just it's unique to see how it all plays out. I love. Yeah, it. yeah. I'm I'm still trying to figure out how they pick. Well, me specifically. I mean, <laughs> you make sense. You're more out there, but whatever. I will take it. I'm I'm happy to be part of that rentals and analyst. Yeah, no, I was going to say, and when we were in a clubhouse room, you were in a clubhouse with uh, Francois, who we've kind of talked about on right. the podcast before. 
Um, you guys have been lurking in the shadows a little bit uh, with with what Rabu is. So this is a great way for you to kind of share your story. I want to know, tell me in the audience, you know, what one your journey is as a as a founder, but then what Rabu really is and what you guys have been building uh, behind the scenes and how that got started with your own management company behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, what we are at a high level is we are a uh, a platform that is trying to establish short short term rentals as an asset class. Uh, we believe that short-term rentals have traditionally only been used for vacation rentals. And our our belief and our thesis is that they can actually be much more than that. I think they can serve as an asset class and a new, and a new way for people to live, work, and travel. So uh, we are helping investors identify assets to acquire and then giving them the tools to turn those assets into short-term rentals to, to serve tenants that are staying for days, weeks, months, sometimes years. Um, but then also as from a real estate play to unlock yield uh, on that platform. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, it's taken a long journey to get here. Um, transparently speaking, it's been, it's been an interesting ride, especially over the last, you know, 12, 16, however long months has been with, with COVID hitting, but yeah, I mean, to kind of get started, um, the way I got in the space was, I think part of it is a very similar story to everybody else, but, you know, high level, um, I was part of a, another tech startup uh, based in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where the company was formed. Um, I was a part of a tech startup called Kick, uh, and what Kick did it was a soccer technology platform. We allowed kids to play uh, to register to play competitive soccer. While soccer might not be the most popular kind of TV sport, professional sport here in the states, even though it's growing, it's still the number one participant youth sports in the United States. Everybody played soccer growing up, so uh, Kick. Uh, where I was an early employee, we uh, built a platform for kids to register to play soccer. Um, and that company ended up being acquired by NBC Sports. So I went from Kick, which was a startup, um, uh, and joined NBC Sports. And, you know, I kind of take even a step back from that. Prior to joining Kick, I was a civil engineer and did that for a handful of years and just didn't enjoy it. You know, honestly, I got sick from like, just like becoming anxious and not being happy with what I was doing. So, uh, you know, I joined Kick because I'm European. Um, and soccer startup in Charlotte, where I lived, it was like a perfect match. So, you know, fast forward, I, I utilize Kick as a way to kind of get started into the entrepreneurial ecosystem um, to, to kind of get to learn what it takes to run and build a company. So once Kick got acquired, I started thinking about what I wanted to do next. Um, and right around that same time period, my wife and I purchased a house here in Charlotte uh, that had a detached garage. Uh, and a 200 square foot room above that garage. And that was literally a room and not full bathroom. And, you know, being a guy um, and selfish in that instance, uh, I wanted to turn that room into a man cave, right? Because what guy doesn't want a man cave? But Amen. Uh, I also, right. I mean, I still want that man cave, uh, but <laughs> I, we didn't turn it into the man cave because, you know, I, I had two little kids at that point. I think uh, I had a two month old and a two year old. And I tried to pitch the idea to my wife that it would be okay for me to be in a separate dwelling while she's, you know, in my man cave, while she is in, uh, in, in our you know, primary residence with the kids. And I just couldn't find a good way to pitch that to her. There's like, just like no place where that actually made sense. So before like getting knocked down off my idea, I just decided to, it's not worth the battle because I love my wife and my yeah. kids. I don't want to get into, you know, I wanted to have a long, and healthy marriage <laughs> that wasn't going to get there if I would, you know, been spending my time watching, you know, soccer mm-hmm. um, in a separate dwelling while she's with the kids, you know. So decided to, you know, try to play around with what, what, what do you want to do with this space? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we tried to see if we could 
you know, find some long-term tenants to place in there just to make some money off of that. But that didn't work out because it didn't have a kitchen. We, you know, trying to like being an entrepreneur, being a problem solver at one point, we like looked into potentially putting an au pair there that could watch our kids mm. while we're working, but then we couldn't find anybody. So we settled on just turning into an Airbnb. Uh, and the hope was, you know, we'll make a couple hundred bucks a month off this place. And, um, you know, there'll be some, some, you know, some travel money, right? Yeah. Uh, so we decorate the space um, and start marketing an Airbnb. And next thing we know, our calendars are fully booked and you were making enough property off the, sorry, enough money off this property of this 200 square foot room above our garage to pay, pay the mortgage of the house. So that was wow. kind of the initial like ROI that got us excited about the space. So, yeah. And were you, were, did you guys end up cleaning it your whole yourselves or were you guys like, now nah, we're hiring a cleaner that we got too no, much? No, no. No, I mean, you know, I, I was frugal as can be. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my wife and I cleaned it uh, and, you know, I mean, it was, you can knock out a cleaning in, in, in 30 minutes and make 50, 50 bucks. That's, that's a nice, that's yeah. a nice, nice way to make some money. <laughs> right. So, yeah. uh, you know, so definitely clean it ourselves first. I mean, um, and uh, yeah, and that's like when we saw those returns, when we started getting excited about getting more properties and mm-hmm. the way we did it initially was, you know, the, the rental arbitrage model where, and this was early days of the arbitrage model, probably like five or so years ago, five, six years ago. Yeah. Um, and our arbitrage at that point, because it was like even early arbitrage, arbitrage is more popular these days. Mm-hmm. Though debatable if it's a good model, especially <laughs> we've, now. We've had a little bit um, of a debate on, not, not a debate, you and I are on the same page of right. you know, a, a yeah. side of the coin to be on, but yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I would come, I would go to property owners that had their place listed on Zillow and I would offer to pay them 10, 10% more than what they were looking for. Mm. Uh, if they were okay with me turning into an Airbnb, that's how we started growing our portfolio initially. And, you know, early on up until we got to about four properties, I, uh, definitely, my wife and I figured out who could take a break from work to go do the cleanings mm-hmm. ourselves. Everything mm-hmm. was manual. Um, yeah. but once we got to that four is when it clicked, like, okay, there's money to be made here, but it's very manual. Uh, and if we're going to make money off of this thing, we need to figure out how to scale it. Yeah. And that's kind of where, from, from where, like we started building Rebu. Awesome. And so what is it, is the management company that you guys have? Cause you still have a management company, right? That does this. So Correct. is it a different business name and all that, or, um, is Rabu the sole name for both the product and the, and the company? So technically it's, um, a Southern home group is the, uh, name of the, uh, company that has all the management contracts with okay. the owners. Yeah. Um, and that's because that's the brokerage arm. So to manage properties uh, and hold money on behalf of, of other individuals, you need to be a brokerage. Uh, so the name of the brokerage arm is, is uh, Southern home group. Um, is that in that's th- North those, Carolina? North Carolina. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Um, so we still have a, a management uh, arm. And the reason we have a management arm is just there's best way to learn what the use cases are, what the problems are that, owners and tenants have, uh, and then solve them. So my co-founder, James, who, so after we got about five properties, uh, James and I, I brought James in. I said, Hey James, like, this is what I'm building. Uh, I think there's an opportunity here, but there's a big need for technology, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm doing all these things manually. Can you, you know, at first help me source the right technology to plug in. And at that, at the early days, we we're trying to build a, you know, Airbnb brand. I mean, I think a lot of people did this early on where they were thinking, okay, I'm going to create the Marriott 
of Airbnb or whatever the hotel analogy of Airbnb. That was our initial thinking. But as we got more involved in the space, we realized that one, our skill set, what James and myself are best at is technology and operations and not necessarily branding and hospitality. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we also realized that there was significant demand from investors who wanted to get into the space, but had zero idea how to get started. So we started thinking, okay, what if we allowed them to be their own brands and allowed them to generate revenue off these short-term rentals and we provide them the backend, the technology, and still a lot of the services early on, especially to execute upon this rental strategy, asset strategy. Yeah. So for your guys' management company, with you guys being able to experience a lot of the pain points, what were the main ones, I guess, that um, got you guys thinking with the creation of Rabu to you know, hit initially? Because obviously you said a lot of it was manual. So was that the first step to make some of this less manual in the beginning? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, so so first, when we first started, you know, there there were already some property management systems out there. So we started utilizing those. And I'm not going to name any names, but there were some out there. Uh, we utilized the, the the most prominent one that just raised a lot of money over the last few weeks. I'm sure everybody can figure out who that was. Mm-hmm. We, we used them and we were happy with what they helped us all for, which was distribution onto multiple channels and then automating, you know, the daily questions that like the check-in instructions and all that stuff. But that's really what the only things we found it useful for. Like the biggest thing, the biggest nightmare that I think any operator has is access issues, tenants or guests not having access to the property. So the first thing we ended up building as part of our platform was uh, an IoT solution, um, a solution where we utilize smart home technology, uh, smart locks, thermostats, alarm systems, whatever else the case may be, to automate access to the property, control access to the property to ensure that we don't, we're not worrying about lock boxes that don't open uh, to ensure that only tenants that or guests that have paid uh, and haven't canceled have access to the property. Cause there's nothing worse than, mm-hmm. um, you know, people canceling last minute, but then having access to the property still. Yeah. One of, my, one of my worst experiences was um, we got our first units outside of Charlotte in Savannah, Georgia. And it was this gorgeous Victorian, uh, duplex but it's like a, a two-story duplex where the first story was one duplex two bedrooms one bath and then the second story was another right so mm-hmm. it was gorgeous right on broad street which is right along the parade route uh in savannah so oh, perfect um, amazing yeah. amazing place uh it was really cool like even it had a the second story had a balcony that overlooked broad street where the uh parade went uh but the the building was so historic that it didn't have doors to get outside onto the balcony. It had uh, glass glass windows that were basically as high as the ceiling. But to get outside, you'd have to pull the glass ceiling from the bottom up, probably like two or three feet, and then crawl through to get outside. Wow! Incredi- incredibly authentic to like the Victorian experience, right? Yeah. So it was great. But we had our, you know, prior to this, we've had some issues of tenants like not returning keys and things of that nature. But in Savannah, we had the worst experience with not having codes codes that were, that rotated. And it was, um, we had smart locks there, but we hadn't automated them yet. So um, what happened was we had a tenant leave at 11 a.m. We had the units cleaned uh, and the next tenant arrived at 3.30 p.m. Uh, and the tenant that left 11 a.m. decided to stick around Savannah and party. And uh, as they were leaving, they decided they needed to use the restroom, oh, no. right? So they, uh, yeah. I'm sure you know where this is at. They they 
walk right by the house they were staying at. Like, oh, well, I, I know I can, I can have access to a bathroom there. Uh, needless to say, they went in there, opened the door. The, the current tenant was inside, started a, a big issue. Mm-hmm. From then on, we knew we had to get access controls locked down. So that's the first thing that we focused on. We built that on top of the uh, property management system that we were working with at that point. Yeah. And this kind of brings up another thing. Like, I love that one. I just, I'm going to state this for just the overall episode. I love that you guys are an operator first as well, like getting into the tech space, because one thing we've seen in, in uh, hotels, restaurants is that all these companies, technology companies come into the industry from never being inside or on the ground and in the operations and, and it messes a lot of stuff up. So it's really cool to hear uh, your experiences, good or bad from management to then implementing the tech. Uh, so I want to give you guys kudos on that. But um, when it comes to, there's just so much that goes into it. And I think with consolidation of tech, you guys, I want to know, you guys make, you sound, make it sound super easy. Like, okay, we figured this was a, you know, we need to figure this problem out and get this and get that. So how does it, like, what's the back end look like when it comes into building a technology platform that does all this? This isn't something that you're, I'm, I'm guessing you're just coding on, you know, java or whatever uh i don't i'm not like a big code developer side so how can you tell me about that side of the the business when it comes to the tech and and building the the solution i mean i I give all props to my co-founder james on this he uh he's a developer right and he's also incredibly black and white when it comes to things and like if he if he wasn't the cto of the company he he should be the co because he's very much operations focused Mm -hmm. so you know he had been with me since the beginning. And once we started hiring a, you know, the ops team to run and manage the, the properties ourselves, James would sit right next to Suzette. And Suzette is the one answering guest questions. She's the one that, that comes across the issues. And James would literally sit with her, understand what the problems are, and then think about the architecture that he's built and then built the solutions on top of, like built the right solutions for it. So mm-hmm. You know, after having the, to kind of take a step back, after having the IoT platform, we realized that if we brought, we can bring that to market and we can compete with other IoT solutions. And that's great. But the bigger, and as we talk to customers, we realize the bigger opportunity on the IoT implementation isn't after somebody already has a property. It's when somebody first gets a property and onboards it, that that's the best time to plug in the IoT component because after that, it just becomes incredibly difficult because now you're interrupting your current flow. You have to find time to install it. You have to make sure you do it right. And you have to be more, you have to know that the next guests are coming are not going to have the right. It just gets incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. If you par- make it part of the CapEx of initially acquiring the property, the expense of onboarding a property, it's as simple as can be. And it becomes more powerful at that point. So we realized that after talking to customers. So we decided that, you know, in order to do that, it made most sense to give them an entire platform. So we first decided to build our own internal version, our own replacement for our property management system mm-hmm. uh, that solved the initial, the use cases of distribution and automating communication and channel channel management. Um, so we did that uh, based on what we learned from the other uh, PMS system. So yeah. that helped us in understanding the use cases that we have to solve for. Because again, our use cases are, how do we help investors make more money? Mm-hmm. And those are the primary use cases of software. They aren't, we're not worried about vacation rental use cases per se. And that includes owner stays and things of that nature. We're very much 
building a platform that allows to maximize yield. Uh, we didn't have to worry about anything else. So it helped us using another platform, helped us understand what works, what doesn't work and build what works best for us. So that's the way we approached it. So the architecture, James architecture, the property management system first, plugged in the IoT platform, the automation platform. And then as we started seeing more use cases, built solutions on top of that, um, that plugged in. And, you know, having been a developer for, I think he's been a developer for like 12 years uh, and understanding that through experience, the best practice is to build small apps that talk to each other really well versus one big app that does a lot of things mm -hmm. that helped us build very quickly and efficiently um, and, you know, have the success so far. Yeah. And that, cause that goes back into, for me, what I've been, I've been thinking about a lot in the industry and I can even read because um, I, I pulled up our article where we were both mentioned as uh, the top 20. Yep. And you're, so you're talking about, um, you know, what technology has the biggest impact on the property management business? And you, your answer was automation will be key to property managers and investors going forward. Um, and there's a lot of places for automation. We both know this, you and I, you know, when it comes to access, like you said, communications, revenue management, et cetera. Um, so my, my biggest thing, my, my answer to a similar question, uh, well, my answer to the same question was automation, which we're both mm -hmm. on the same page. But the next question was, what new technology trends do you see emerging in vacation rental spaces? And this is something that I think has been debated a little bit in the sense of consolidation of tech. So a platform kind of like Rabu, where you guys built a like a centralized place for all these mini apps to plug into versus a big yep. platform that does it all. Um, I think from my experience that I'm tired of having 20,000 things to log into just in order to run my business. And it sounds like you guys were feeling the same way. So you built a solution that can do all of these things uh, wrapped into many little breakout sessions is basically the way I can describe it. Um, yep. But then there's other people in the industry that think specialization is important. So get the best PMS, get the best revenue manager management, uh, dynamic management uh, system, get the access you know, system and let them communicate with each other, let them specialize in what they do. Um, so what are your thoughts on that with Rabu and what, how you guys are building forward? Because uh, I, I just want to hear your opinion and see what, what's uh, it like on the actual end of where you guys are at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a great question. I think best is, uh, is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's, that, I think that's key. Number one, to me, the best solution is the one that is most, most well integrated and communicates with your workflow that you're solving for the best way. True. That's the way I look at, at best. Now, with that said, you know, some solutions are easier to replicate than others. Um, you know, the IOT piece is easier to do than the pricing piece, for example. So, um, you know, for us, we, we don't have the pricing piece ourselves. It's funny. This came, we started doing this even before this article came out, but I think pretty sure number one on that list on that article was uh, Andrew with Wheelhouse. Yep, Andrew Kitchell, um, yep. That's who we actually have integrated to do the pricing for us because that's, I mean, that's a whole nother level. And Andrew and his team are so good at that, that that's close to impossible for us to replicate. But we are able to do the things that are operational uh, from an operational perspective really good because everything just ties together and talks extremely well and it's built to talk together. And even our integration with Andrew and Wheelhouse is, is has that in mind. So it's it's a very good it communicates well. Our property management system 
works really well with them. Uh, so to me, the best is what works easiest together, makes your workflow seamless as possible. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, a lot of the features that some of the best in class platforms have are just access features that 90% of people don't utilize. Yeah. Um, or maybe it looks better, uh, but it doesn't mean it performs better. So exactly. that's the way we approach it is what is going to get me from point A to the point B the quickest, at least the amount of hurdles, roadblocks, uh, that, that in my mind, mm-hmm. uh, the way I approach it, the way our team approaches it is, is best in class. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think the number one thing too, and we kind of talked about this on that clubhouse room and with um, a few other people in the industry, but more or less the tech in your business is supposed to be what best fits your business. It's not going to be an all-in-one solution for everybody. Um, LMPM, yeah, might be a really good solution for these big luxury uh, property management companies, but will LMPM or will Rabu or will, you know, whatever platform, uh, you know, be good for the one off host or the person that's got, you know, glamping or whatever, like all these certain things. Sure. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. There's, and there's no shame in that. You know, I think what we're trying to do is a lot of things in the short-term rental as an investment asset space. We're not trying to do many things in the vacation rental space, even though we're technically serving similar type of guests. Right. Um, But we don't, that's not, that's not what we've built the thesis and the vision of the company around. And that's perfectly fine. If you need that, go, but utilize, um, you know, one of the other solutions out there. Yeah, and definitely. there's just no shame in that uh, sure. at all. I think there's plenty of opportunities for different, different uh, pieces of software. I mean, there's people that I know well that want to do most of the work themselves because they mm-hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. And they would much rather just plug in, one automation piece because that's what works for them, right? They they like the IoT platform. That's all they need because they don't want to worry about tenant access. Mm-hmm. Cool, good for you. You should definitely do that. You should utilize, you know, Operto or uh, Point Central or Parakeet or one of those groups for that. Go for it. Like I'm 100 behind that. Uh, but if you want to create create a portfolio of short term rental assets uh, for yield, then it's going to be hard to beat what we have. Yeah, and I was going to ask my I guess my follow up question for you is. With when it comes to Rabu, what's been the most challenging thing that you guys have overcome when it comes to building this this platform for that asset type and for this kind of thesis that you guys started the company on? Yeah, I mean, the most challenging thing is probably educating investors on this as more than just your, your weekly stays and in, in vacation destinations, right? Are you uh, educating them and helping them understand that Sorry, say it again. I was going to say, are you talking investors on the real, uh, real estate side or the investors of an, like a VC or angel investor? Yeah, uh, investors on the real estate side. Okay. Um, investors on the real estate side. I mean, some on the venture capital side as well, but primarily on the, uh, the real estate side because um, they've always just kind of thought about vacation homes as second homes and not as a strategy for them to generate returns, right? Mm-hmm. Usually when you buy a vacation home and you hire a Vacasa or Evolve, you hope those groups offset some of the liabilities that you carry so that you can spend a month or two out of the year at that home, mm-hmm. right? Where we don't want you to spend any time at this home. We want you to make money off this home just like you would have a long-term rental property yeah. that you own, uh, that you have tenants in. So, um, and the, the question that we get is always around demand. It's like, oh, well, that sounds great, but why would anybody want to stay in Richmond or in Charlotte or in Nashville, right? And then you try to educate them on on why, and you try to provide them with data um, so that they know why they would do that. So is that a pretty, 
extreme long? Is that like a long process for you guys to educate the investor on? It, it has been long and, you know, being entrepreneurs, we're always looking at ways to kind of like make it easier for them. So, you know, I guess if you don't mind, I'll, I'll plug a product that we launched that I of think course. honestly your listeners would love. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to data.rabu.com, D-A-T-A.rabu, R-A-B-B-U.com, um, it's our kind of underwriting platform. It's where you can go, you tap in an address, tell us how many bedrooms are at that address, and we give you an estimate on how much uh, money that property can make as a short-term rental within 10 seconds. And it's completely free. So, And then we give you the comps that that are uh, that we compare it to uh, and how we got to that number. Uh, and that that has been godsend for us because yeah. now investors can can type in any address they want like, oh, you know, I'm renting this property out at 123 Main Street for $1,200 a month. This system shows me that I can make, and I'm just making this up, $2,500 a month. And not only are they just saying that, here are the comps that I can go look at that are making that amount of money. Yeah. Um, and that just makes the conversation significantly easier because now you're giving the data and facts to um, to make a decision on, to base a decision on. Now, that's, as I'm sure you know, you, you have your own property management p- business too. That's yeah. step one. Well, After that, it becomes a consultative approach. Yeah. But then you have to answer hundreds of questions. So we haven't figured out that part yet, but we want to start with the why, and the why is revenue potential. Yeah, and that, that feature that you guys released, I've actually played with it. And what I like about it is that, yes, it gives you a list of comps, but the customization of the comps. So when you go through them and look through the Airbnb listing or whatever, you're like, nah, that's not a real competition. Right. Uh, and then you can right. narrow it down and then it gives you a more accurate data set of numbers uh, on who your yep. real top five or top 10 competitors are. Um, exactly right. Yeah. And that's the goal. You know, we want to give you a high level number and then we want to give you the ability to educate yourself on what your true comp set is. And you can search, you know, filter by like number of reviews, the average star review, the 75th percentile of properties, the 25th percentile of properties. Just again, giving you data so that you can make that educated decision on. So it's not just, you know, there's other companies that say plug in, plug in an address, we'll give you a number. There's a lot of companies that do that. Uh, we try to give you the data that supports that number. For sure. And I have another question that, is kind of off topic from what we just been discussing, uh, but I really love that, pro- like that, that product itself, uh, what you guys are building with it. I think that's uh, a great place for, I think the number one starting point for a lot of investors, whether it's a management company or, uh, you know, a single family, you know, investor or multifamily investor, any of them. Um, but my question now, so you guys have been building this, this product. So with connectivity uh, to platforms like Airbnb, Furbo, uh, all these distribution sites. Um, how does that work with the amount of changes happening in APIs and all this other stuff, which again, I'm not a developer. I'm not a person that like works with this stuff. So I don't maybe fully understand what I'm talking about, but I know the little bit of connectivity. Uh, and so I'm kind of curious for, for you guys on how your team is looking with, uh, with keeping up with all the changes. Yeah. I mean, again, I'll give all the credit to, to my co-founder James. Um, and he gives me crap all the time. It's like that I get all the credit for his work and I just <laughs> challenge him right back. It's like you go talk to people and tell them about what you built, but no, he deserves all the credit. Yeah. Uh, we've built, again, we've done this before. We've built, uh, you know, processes that help us identify when there's something wrong. Um, you know, we have probably two dozen Slack bots, for example, that let us know anytime somebody made a reservation, anytime something is disconnected, that 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 then triggers actions for James and his team to address the issue. So 
we've put processes in place, triggers in place that help us solve for this uh, as, as much as possible. That's awesome. Okay, sweet. Well, um, now it's going to go into the, the question of the, the hour, which is what are your thoughts on the future of short-term rentals? Uh, obviously, we've been talking about creating a certain asset class for investors, but with a lot of actual, you know, speaking of consolidation, we're seeing, you know, companies being coming acquired, uh, a lot of investment going into the, into the space now from VC and angels. Uh, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what you think the future is going to hold for the industry. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. One, um, you know, we're coming right off news a couple of days ago that uh, that Saunders uh, going through a SPAC process yeah. uh, that validates, in my opinion, uh, that they're there that this industry is extremely hot. That there's a lot of capital on all fronts waiting to be deployed. Uh, they're just looking for guidance and leadership and who that is. I mean, if you look through Saunders' deck, they're actually. Uh, they declined in the number of units by 19% last year, yet they're still trying to raise, you know, or they're looking to go do a SPAC at, I think it was like $2.6 billion value. Yeah. Amazing. Good for them. You know, all the props in the world to, to Francis and his team out there. Um, but I'll bring them up to say that I think investment capital on both the venture side and on the real estate side is turning towards this asset. Uh, as a class. And to me, short-term rentals are becoming an asset class. And a short-term rental can be a single family, multifamily, and even like a hotel can turn into a short-term rental. But yeah. you're, um, we're seeing a lot of hotels that are being acquired to be, you know, really revamped, uh, renovated into micro apartments. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing a lot of action come into this, into this space where in what I alluded to earlier, I think there's a bridging of the gap, like the hospitality and residences are not going to be that far apart anymore. COVID has really accelerated a trend, a change in the way people live, work and travel. And, you know, we're seeing demand from people that they want furnished rentals for months instead of signing long-term leases. Mm -hmm. They want to stay, they want to stay properties wherever they feel like being during that time period because they can work from anywhere. Yeah. Um, People are not, not going to be satisfied with small hotel rooms when they're traveling. They're going to want bigger spaces, more privacy, uh, a living room, right? Uh, I think COVID has just accelerated all these trends, and there's just, just this big opportunity of for real estate to adapt. And you know, once it does, the floodgates will open. Yeah. Right now, the biggest problem for, that a real estate investor has is that there's not enough supply for them to acquire, to turn into the traditional strategies. It's just long-term rentals. And I think they're slowly starting to realize, hey, there's different assets, asset types or different ways I can utilize this asset that might not make sense as a long-term rental from a yield that I'm looking for, but makes all the sense in the world as a short-term rental or mid-term rental. So yeah. um, I think where COVID has accelerated that and we're just at the very beginning of what is going to be, yeah, a complete change um, in, in infrastructure and in the real estate. Uh, and that's really exciting to me. Yeah. Well, I was going to say too, you brought up a good point. And before we wrap this episode up, I maybe want to get your opinion on with, you know, short-term rental. So, you know, when you have a short-term rental or vacation home, um, you know, tenants don't really get like, you know, tenant rights like they do with long-term rentals where, you know, you're there for more than 30 days. Now you have all these certain rights and you can't be evicted and all this other stuff due to certain laws and restrictions, um, which we just went through on my end. We're, just finally got a tenant out that didn't pay rent all year. Um, and so now what is that? What do you think that's going to look like with the gap closing? 
from short-term rental with, you know, less than 30 days to, let's say, vacation rental less than 30 days and then short-term 30 days more, is that something that you guys, even at Rabu, are you looking at as you're bringing on these investors that how does that work with managing those certain, like, I guess, crossovers? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be, uh, it's still to be determined and also going to be um, market-specific because different markets will have different rules around that. We have not, you know, luckily, knock on wood, uh, we've had very few issues with uh, tenants not vacating when they're supposed to be uh, with, with short and medium-term rentals. Was yours a, a, a short-term rental was, where the tenant long, didn't vacate or was it a long-term? It was a long-term, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. but. Yeah, so we don't see that happening at all on the short-term rental side. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. And I think, um, you know, there's also measures that we can put into place to like prevent that from happening through verification processes for even removing access to a property. Um, I think that would be less of an issue uh, with, with short-term than, than long-term uh, based, based on what I've seen, just based on data of that actually becoming a problem. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Uh, just something you kind of sparked my my brain on and and all that good stuff. So that's good. Uh, well, sweet. I always love to ask the final question at the end of the episode for I guess to kind of give a shameless shout out where they can plug. Where can anyone that's listening to this podcast, whether they're driving or they're swimming in their pool with their waterproof uh, uh, AirPods or whatever, uh, can where can they find you directly in the show notes? So obviously everything's going to be linked. But uh, where's the number one spot people can learn more about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I would encourage everybody to go to data.rabu.com. That's a tool that we've built for anybody who's interested to get into the short-term rental space. Completely free to use. It's a great educational tool uh, for anybody who's considering getting a property. Um, and then, you know, check out rabu.com uh, to, hear, to learn a little bit more about our services and the platform that we're building. Uh, but for right now, honestly, we just encourage everyone to check out data.rabu.com. Uh, and if they're looking for a partner to help them acquire a portfolio of short-term rental homes, uh, feel free to ping us uh, through through that platform. Awesome. Well, you heard it, Slick Talkers. Uh, go to data.rabu.com and you can find out everything there. And Amir, my friend, thank you so much for being on Slick Talk today. Well, appreciate it. This was, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. As I've been growing my business and finding new ways to add to my property portfolio, I have to think about how I can anticipate the homeowner's needs, just like I do for my guests. One of the things owners always ask is, how is my property going to be protected? What happens if something gets damaged or worse? These are valid questions and concerns, and I have an opportunity to address these concerns before they even get mentioned, all thanks to having Safely as part of my toolkit. I can ensure all stakeholders are covered during a guest stay and use this information as a way to grow my business by ensuring my property owners know they can trust that I have them covered. If you're a professional property manager, then you need to get safely in your tool belt so you can focus on operating and growing your business. Thanks for listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, back to an episode.
What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.